Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, summertime is a fantastic time of year. For many, it is their favorite time of year. I mean, you've got flowers that are blooming, you've got trees that are growing, and grass that is growing, the crops are growing for the farmers. It is a season of growing. And today we're going to take that concept of growing and talk about that and let it inspire us to a better Christianity for us. When I was a kid growing up in school, you know, one of the most anticipated days of the year was the last day of school. And when that came, you know, generally brought some joy. It was summer vacation. It meant a lot of fun. It meant a lot of, uh, a lot of encouraging things. But one of the things when I was a kid growing up on a farm that we needed to do is to take a garden hoe and go out into the corn, go out into the beans and do what we called hoeing the weeds. And so we would go out with our our hoe in our hands and and row by row by row by row, dig up the milkweed, dig up the grasses that were growing, dig up the weeds that were interfering with the beans or the corn, whatever it was. And that was one of our tasks uh, during the summer. So it wasn't always uh, fun and games, and uh, we probably did get a little uh, stipend for, for that, but it was a part of our summers. But summers are like that. You know, a lot of things uh, grow, even kids. You know, kids are measured in the spring of the year for their height and their weight and so forth. And then again in the fall at school, they're sometimes measured again. And so you can see how much they grew in one year. I talked to a friend of mine recently. He said he grew 12 inches over the course of one summer. For me, I remember uh, very specifically, it's kind of easy math to, to remember, but I, I finished fifth grade being five foot tall. And when I started sixth grade, I was five foot six. I had grown uh, six inches uh, during uh, that particular summer. But the idea of stuff growing and uh, in the summer, um, you know, it is it is a very common concept. And I thought, you know, we can uh, maybe play off of that a bit and have our own summer growing season. Summer growing season. And look at ourselves, look at our Christianity, our discipleship of Jesus, and, and see if we can take it a little bit higher. See if we can grow in one area or another. Now, that's going to be very specific to you, the listener, as to what you choose to work on. It's going to be very specific as to maybe what you see like you need to work on. But the best thing is to pick something and to work on it. The worst thing is to ignore growth and ignore the idea of growth. And so we explore that a little bit today. And as we start uh, a summer growing season series of sermons, and we're very excited about that. And uh, hopefully that will inspire us to better Christianity. You know, a first thought today is God's intention for us to grow. It's always been there. God's intention for us to grow. It's not new to think about growing. I mean, when you look at the flowers, we we know that they grow during the summer. When we look at the grass, we know it grows during the summer because we have to mow it every week. We know things grow. And God designed a whole world to work that way from the very beginning. We're going to look start in Genesis chapter 1, and I'm reading out of the NASB 2020 today. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
and in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, from the very beginning, the plan would be that animals would grow in numbers. That whether it was a deer, whether it was a fish, whether it was a bird, whether it was something else, whatever it might have been, that they would grow in numbers and inhabit the earth. But it was also God's will that people would grow in numbers and that they would rule over the animals. But beyond people, beyond the animals growing, let's look at the plants in Genesis chapter 2. And it says, Now a river flowed out of Eden to the water of the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The Delam and the onyx stone are there as well. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend to it. So even in the Garden of Eden, God lined it up with, with rivers and water supplies to it so that it would grow and so that man would have to cultivate it and help it to grow and tend to it. Plants, animals, people, the idea is that they would all grow and people would also uh, be rule over the animals and take care of the plants. Even in Genesis chapter 17, God's promise to Abraham assumes growth. In verse 6, it says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land where you live as a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God's promise to Abraham assumed growth. In all of these things, all of these ways, God's plan uh, growth was, was part of the world. That was part of his, his plan. That was part of design. But of course, again, that's obvious. You see things that are growing all the time. Right now we have a tree that uh, we planted a couple years ago that's now blooming its flowers. The crepe myrtle has grown uh, maybe a foot and it has a bunch of flowers starting to grow on it. And we're so excited about that. But you've seen plants grow. You've seen trees grow. You've seen grass. You've seen flowers and veggies in the garden, trees in the forest, bushes in the landscape. You've seen all of that. We've even seen babies that grow. Baby animals that are almost always cute and furry and they look cuddly. But baby people as well that are so precious and one of our most valuable um, uh, aspects of mankind. Little baby humans that grow up and they grow into adult humans. The babies don't stay babies. In fact, nothing does. It all grows. If it is a living thing, it grows because that was God's design from the very, very beginning. But he didn't design it to just grow in number or just in physical size. He had bigger thought, I think, on growth 
And maybe even a, a more important thought of that. He very much designed us to grow in spirit, to grow in faith, to grow in fruitfulness and understanding of God. So we find scriptures uh, like ones from Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter writes, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unscrupulous people and lose your own firm commitment, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they do not make you useless nor unproductive in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter got the concept of, you know what, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to, to understanding God and seeing God and living out discipleship of Jesus in our lives, that we can grow in those things, that we can grow in God's spirit. But it wasn't just Peter. How about these scriptures from Paul in Colossians chapter 1? For this reason, we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Increasing in knowledge of God, Paul said in Colossians chapter 1. But not just there, how about Ephesians chapter 4? As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Paul also understood the idea of growing, growing in our spirit, growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our understanding of him who was the creator. But definitely not just Peter and not just Paul, Jesus himself. Using an example of our relationship with him, it assumes growth. In John chapter 15, in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Jesus' comparison of our relationship with him is that of a vine, is that of something that grows. And if it needs to get pruned a little bit, snip, snip, prune, and then it grows some more. 
another little bit of pruning, and then it grows some more. It assumes growth. And sometimes we just forget about God's very intention for us to grow spiritually, to grow in love, and to grow in many ways for him. God has designed us to continue to grow, just like he designed the whole world. But you know, he gives us a free choice. He gives us an option for that. You know, in our church this coming summer, we're offering different classes. Summer parenting, a class called Be Still. We're offering a summer reading program, a worship night. Things are all very designed very specifically to help us to grow, to help us to grow in our knowledge of God, to help us to become better parents, to help us to take time and slow down. And take deep breaths so we can connect with God in a better way. They're designed to help us relationally to grow together in our relationships together. And grow in our acknowledgement of God. So the question for you as you listen to this is, what is your thought for yourself? What is your thought for yourself? Are you working on anything very specifically right now, day to day to day? Did you come in uh, to this podcast to, to, to learn and grow or just to be entertained? You know, this past week, this past month or year, have you stretched your faith to new heights or is it the same as usual? These are the questions that really count and the choice to make. You know, sometimes in our lives, God gives us situations that will somewhat force the issue, right? That's going to force us to grow into it. But if we ignore the idea of growth, we can even miss the clear opportunities that God puts right before us. If we don't have that as a part of our thought and our soul and our heart to grow in devotion, to grow in knowledge, to grow in love, then we can miss the opportunities that God just easily puts in front of us. From God's view, growing was always going to be a part of Christianity, always going to be a part of the disciples of Jesus, of growing. It was always going to be part of their lives, not just something to try to do, not something you're just going to give a good shot at it or ignore it, or even at the other end of the spectrum, pretend that we've arrived to the peak of growth. There's really not much else for me to learn. Because I've been a Christian for a really long time, and I've come to church services for many, many years. There's not much for me to grow in. That's not God's intention at all. But if we want to take this idea on, If we want to take the idea of grasping hold of opportunities for us to grow in, God's got a promise for us in Psalm chapter 92, where it says, The righteous person will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courtyards of our God. They will still yield fruit in advanced age. They will be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no malice in him. Simply speaks to we have the desire to grow and we take that on. We have the humility. 
we have the desire, we have the vision to grow and become something that we're not now. Good things will come from that. And I love in verse 14 of Psalm 92 where it says very specifically, they will still yield fruit in advanced age. Regardless of our age, there's always something next. The day we give up is a sad day. But there is always something next to look forward to. God designed us that way. My second thought, though, is to start with who you are. You see, we like to put levels on things. Ah, Think about it. There is levels and achievements on everything, everywhere. When I ask a young teenager about video games, what level are you on with this game or with that game? What about school? School, grades, class, rank. They're all achievement-based, level-based. A job title. Oh, I'm a vice president. I'm a secretary. I'm a president, whatever that might be. Even cars. Cars have different levels. Well, that's got the trim level, the XL. Well, this one's got the XLT, and the other one has the ABCDE, whatever it is. Ultra, premium, whatever they are, they're different levels, even in cars. You want to talk about sports, you got minor leagues, major leagues. Levels are everywhere, even in crime. You know, a crime, you, know, you break the law by, with, uh, with uh, getting a speeding ticket, you know, no one's going to care. But if you do something bigger, well, you might get your name mentioned on the news. Or if you did something really, really bad, then you can get your name mentioned on the national news. Levels and achievement are everywhere. But I think we need to untangle that thinking because I think you'll see that God really isn't like that. We need to untangle that thinking when we think about growing. Because in our minds, if you're like me, sometimes you can go to a spot of, well, I, that person's more spiritual than me, and they've achieved more, and then they are more than I am. You know, there's not rankings of discipleship of De- Jesus. There was not rankings in Christianity. God just isn't like that. Now, there's different roles, but there are not different rankings. I think it helps to start where we all start with, where we all started at. Scripture comes to mind in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 where it says, Indeed, there is not a righteous person on earth who always does good and does not ever sin. There's not a righteous person on earth. That says it pretty clearly. Or how about this in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 where it plainly says, Paul writing to the church in Rome, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where you started. That's where I've started. We haven't done a single thing to deserve God's mercy in our life. We never made an achievement or achieved a level of spirituality to be able to receive God's grace. That is a gift from God. Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's no rankings, no level achievement when we're all sinners. We were all bad. We are all falling short. And God, the greatness of God, 
is demonstrated in Christ dying for us and our sins. God sent his son for who you are, not for who you are not. John chapter 3, you may have heard this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In 1 John chapter 3, see how great the love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and in fact, we are. Or Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasures of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he favored us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. We never achieved a level of righteousness to get God's grace. Not once. That is where we started. And that is who God saw. And again, that great scripture, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved the world as it was. Not for who it wasn't. So when it comes to thinking about us growing spiritually. When it comes to thinking for you about growing in your discipleship of Jesus, growing in the fruits of the Spirit, things like peace, love, joy, patience, kindness. When you think about growing like God has designed us to do, what should be the motivation? You see, I think we need to be confident here in this answer because of lies that we're being told. You know, we have an enemy lying to you and telling you that you are not enough. You can't. You're not. You're something other than who God wants you to be, and what he wants you to be is unachievable. We have an enemy that is lying to you like that. And some of us, you maybe even have heard sermons in the past that call us higher in things and kind of shame us out of a, a spot of guilt that you're not doing enough. So do more so that you can be a better Christian, so that you can be more righteous. You're not enough. So do more so that you are enough. And the attempt is to try to motivate out of this negative space. But God just simply does not roll that way. Now, repentance is a real thing. Repentance, when we are involved in a, a sin or a multitude of sins, repentance is real. But again, it's real because of who you are. He designed us to grow because of who we are. We should not want to grow because of who we are not. Grow because of who we are, not because of who we are not. But who are we again? Who are we? What am I talking about there? Well, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 
says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In Psalm 139, it says, I give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My, my soul knows it very, very well. You know, Peter writing to people that were already Christians, people that were disciples of Jesus, reminding them that they are a chosen people. They are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I love this, a people for God's own possession, that God wants you. That's who you are, a person that God wants. And if you're seeking to find Jesus, if you're still looking for that, It is there for you. It is there for you to have. God wants that relationship with you for who you are, weaknesses and all. You know, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to look at biblical stories, Old Testament, New Testaments, where they found themselves in situations where they grew. And it will be a lot of fun looking at the different stories and hopefully not just fun, but inspirational that as we think about the areas that we want to grow in during this summer growing season, we can look at the likes of biblical people, men and women, and say, man, that inspires me. Man, that calls me higher. I want to be like that person. And again, it'll be a lot of fun looking at a few different people over the next several weeks. But you know it's going to be wasted time if you don't think for yourself of what you would like to grow in. It'll be wasted time if you don't take this and really think for yourself of what is my next. Young, old alike, what is the next for me? Where does God want to take me in my face? So please consider and apply that. And let's have a bunch of growth this summer because of who we are and not who we are not. Grow because of who you are and not because of who you are not. I hope that was helpful. And if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.